Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm on the home of world football here in Southern California. I love football. I use the hashtag I love football all the time, and man, what a week it has been. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly, sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life. Drink good beer. We have a lot to embrace on this show, including Major League Soccer Week 2. LA Galaxy and LAFC were in action. The CONCACAF Champions League Final 4 is set. The Final 8 is set in the UEFA Champions League. Plus, we've got call-ups all over the international window that's coming up. And uh, so much more to get to, including the best segment in the history of radio. Yes, it's official. I got word on that earlier in the week. It's the best segment in the history of radio. Stoppage time with the great producer of this show, Mario Rees, the host of that segment. I'm actually the analyst in Stoppage Time. Mario is the host of Stoppage Time of the show within a show coming up. But this is a massive jam-packed Soccer Weekly. We appreciate Pocock Brewery, Brewing Company for uh, supporting us here. PocockBrewing.com LAFC I happen to be the radio play-by-play guy, so if you haven't heard the games yet here on ESPN LA 710, you should be listening on the ESPN app as well. I lost my voice nearly by calling all those goals. What a week two in the history of Los Angeles Football Club. It was really shake-your-head amazing. LAFC goes out to Seattle, and, you know, with that first game, all the emotion, okay, they squeak out a 1-0 win. They kind of had to hold on, let's be honest, for the last 45 minutes. They did it. They knew it. They got the one nothing victory. So they go to Rio Tinto. They call it the Riot because it's Rio Tinto, so they call it the Riot, their stadium up there in Salt Lake for Real Salt Lake. And Real Salt Lake had played a pretty decent game against FC Dallas on the road their first game. And Real Salt Lake gets an early PK that Tyler Miller saves, but the rebound goes in, right? So then it's 1-0 early. And I'm thinking to myself, well, now we'll see a little bit of what Bob Bradley's been instilling in this team, potentially. Are they going to collapse from this? Are they going to have a hard time just getting back into the game? Are they going to keep it close, but maybe not be? Well, little did I know. The youngster from Uruguay got going, Diego Rossi, and one of the few times in the history of MLS he was involved in all Five goals for LAFC. Count them. One, not one, not two, not three, not even four. LAFC wins 5-1. And it wasn't even that close. Really could have been 7 or 8-1 to because Rossi knocked one off the post earlier in the game. They had a couple other missed opportunities that were golden chances that they just couldn't quite capitalize on. But LAFC played a really near-flawless game. In fact, I was joking on Twitter, and you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. I was joking after the game. Somebody put up a poll you know, on Twitter after the game. Four choices. Who's the player of the match for LAFC? Rossi, Urania, Carlos Vela, you know, Steven Betashore, who had a couple of great assists. And me being you know, kind of a jerk, I was playful with it. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I actually meant it, but I hope it wasn't taken that way. I actually just put every last player on the on LAFC that's who was the player of the game because it was near perfection and kudos to Bob Bradley because this guy has his team ready to attack the opponent in ways that the opponent didn't know they were going to be attacked now i know it's early teams can make adjustments but bob bradley had his team ready to attack exactly where it needed to be done against both seattle and rsl And really, from the opening whistle against Seattle, they were right after it until they got the goal early. 
still played very well in the first half, but then they were trying to hang on again. In the RSL game, they just kept going and pouring forward. And it was a massive, massive win in that game. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. Your thoughts on LAFC in the beginning of what is the black and gold here in Los Angeles. The other team in MLS in LA, oh, by the way, the LA Galaxy, coming off a win, a nice, impressive victory in their first game, which was a home win against Portland. They go on the road for the first time and travel across country to NYCFC, and New York City Football Club is very good. And New York City Football Club plays on a pitch that is basically the size of uh, my backyard growing up, which wasn't that big, let's put it that way. It's a small pitch, but that shouldn't really affect anything. You're just going to have to score goals when you go play NYCFC on that pitch. Well, New York City FC outscoring the Galaxy 2-1 in that game. It was a bit of a mess for L.A. They had some injury issues. Gio Dos Santos went down. Ashley Cole got a late red card on a second yellow. It wasn't a great defensive effort, but... In fairness, they scrapped and clawed down 2 nothing and got a goal back. Jonathan Dos Santos played very well. Uh, they really weren't clicking offensively, and part of it, it did have to do with the size of the pitch. Again, no excuses, though. you got to go win, and you should know that coming in. Everybody knows it's a, I should say, a little smaller stadium, right? It's not that much smaller, but it's smaller. It does affect the play a little bit. you got to be ready for that. No excuses. I thought LA Galaxy put up a good fight. Tough place to play. You're not expected to go out and necessarily get wins on the road that easily against NYCFC. So they lost 2-1. Again, too early to, to get worried if you're a Galaxy fan, really. It was fine. They have the week off, as does LAFC. So these two teams are in prime position. They're doing fine. And really, that's what we're hoping for. I do. I, I I don't care what anyone says. I've been talking about it to guys here at 710. I've been talking about it off the air with the gang. I want both these teams in the Western Conference Final. I want those two games in Los Angeles. I want them here. I don't care which who's the first one where, whatever, StubHub Center or Bank of California Stadium. I don't care. I want them both here. I'm greedy. That's what I want. And, oh, man, I'll tell you what, you can't expect an expansion team to start any better than LAFC has done. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. You want to hit me up on Twitter, it's at Talk Soccer. Remember, remember, you can uh, podcast this show each and every week. Go to iTunes, go to your podcatcher, Google or whatever, search Soccer Weekly. It'll pop up. If you go to the podcatchers themselves, you can search Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review. I know that's what I'm supposed to say. Subscribe, rate, and review. And, you know, basically, let me know what you think. I can take it. If you don't like the show, give it the one star if you have to, whatever. But tell me why. Most of you have been glowing, and that's because this is the best, you know, soccer radio show, and frankly, one of the best radio shows on the planet. I mean, I'm a modest guy, but we're being honest here. Got a tweet coming in at Love Them Birds. Dave, you're a great guy. Good enough to uh, talk soccer during March Madness. Oh, yeah, but soccer talk during March Madness? What is it for me to make it worth my while to listen? Chris, I'm not going to fight you. I love the beautiful game, and I just happen to be one of the best radio hosts on the planet. I I think I've gone over this already, so that's all you got to know. It's fine. You can hang out with me if you want. Just you and me, Chris. We're just talking soccer. That's all. That's it. CONCACAF Champions League rolling on. We're down to the final four. 
If you did not watch that Toronto Tigres series, shame on you. I mean, there's just no getting over what you missed. Toronto FC and Tigres went toe-to-toe. It was a bloodletting. It was a 12-round, we are just going to stand in the center of the ring and just throw until one of us falls over out of either exhaustion or we just got hit right where it counts. Right on the chin. And neither one of them could knock the other one out. Sebastian Jovinko delivered what we thought was a knockout blow in the second leg in one of the most amazing free kicks I've seen in a long time. On the road, Toronto picked up that second goal. You thought it was over. And then Tigres. I am amazed at Tigres' fans. They got louder as soon as he scored that goal for Toronto FC. You know, sometimes fans drop their head a little bit. you got to recover. This one was like what appeared to be the death blow. And Tigres was on their way out, it looked like. And I'm I'm talking seconds after that. Tigres' fans were on their feet and were louder than they had been the whole match to get their team back in. And what do they do? They score a goal. So now they only need two more. 20 minutes left. What do they do late? They get a PK. Score a goal with just seconds remaining. But now all they need is one more. That's it. But Toronto FC held on and played magnificently through those two legs against one of the best teams I've seen in a long time, certainly in CONCACAF, but really all throughout the Americas in Tigres. Tigres is loaded, but so is Toronto FC. They move on to the semifinal against a team who I still think is the favorite in Club America. I know a lot of you Chivas fans are not going to want to hear me say that here in L.A. Don't worry, the Chivas are good too. The Goats will be fine. But uh, Club America, for me, is the favorite. On Tuesday, April 3rd, they begin their semifinal against each other in Toronto. That is going to be off the hook. You must watch these two legs, I'm telling you. Toronto and Club America are going to go toe-to-toe again. And then in the other semi, beginning on Wednesday, April 4th, Chivas gets through. They pummeled Seattle. What an embarrassment the Sounders were. They were an embarrassment in that game. Brian Schmetzer had him set up so poorly, way too defensive, dropping back way too much with a 1-0 lead after the first leg. Go get some goals! Now, they have injuries. Every team does. Not going to use excuses, but they have been rocked. In fairness, they have been rocked. They put an 11-man front out there, the professionals, though, and a lot of them didn't show up. And Chivas ran them over last night, 3-0. So the Goats definitely deserve to move on. But I'll tell you this, Chivas is not very good. That makes me worried if I'm a Sounders fan. They have not looked good at all this season. Because Chivas is not good. And yet they deserve to get onto the semis where they are going to get run over by New York Red Bulls. Red Bulls destroyed Cholos in that semi, in that quarterfinal. Tijuana didn't know what hit him. And don't sit here and tell me, well, it's two games. Tijuana wasn't on the same level as New York Red Bulls over those two games. They just weren't. I was shocked at how good the Red Bulls played this early in the season. And that's no excuse. It's early in the season. So what? you got to be ready. Well, New York Red Bulls were, and they ran over Tijuana. And they're going to do the same thing to Chivas, I suspect. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. John in Irvine will be up. Plus, we're going to be talking with Stephen Bateshore of LAFC. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today 
at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out. PuenteHillsToyota.com. We love them over there at Puente Hills Toyota. Proud supporters of the beautiful game. So are we here at the home of world football in Southern California. It is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Hello. Dave Dunholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. We appreciate you doing that. Champions League in UEFA over in Europe down to the final eight. We'll talk about the draw coming up. Also some call-ups for the locals. We've got injury news plus stoppage time. All of that's still to go. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, it's at Talk Soccer. That's the home of uh, where I live. And, you know, We continue the conversation throughout the week at Talk Soccer. Plus you can uh, give us a phone call here at 877 877- 710 ESPN. We're on each and every week here on ESPN LA 710. And joining us now, John and Irvine will be first up. John, welcome to Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunham. What's going on, man? Hi, Dave. I just wanted to say first that I'm so happy there's a soccer talk uh, show on the radio. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Thank you for listening. And I, I'm a fan of LAFC, and I just want to know what our expectations should be. I'm really happy about the first two wins, but are we going to be like Vegas expansion, Vegas Golden Knight expansion good, or what do you think the reasonable <laughs> expectations are? It's funny they have similar colors, if you think about it, so that's a good a good analogy with the Golden Knights, John. Thank you for the phone call. I appreciate listening. You know, here's the expectations for LAFC. Bob Bradley changed my expectations immediately once they hired him. I knew they would be tough. I knew they'd be ready to play. I didn't know where their talent was going to take them yet. And I'll say this. My expectations have changed for this team. Two words. Carlos and Vela. He's good. And he's real good. Now, they're going to be missing him for a few months. Remember when he goes off with Mexico to the World Cup and the games still keep going. So there's going to be some questions about, are they deep enough? Who's going to step up into that role? Diego Rossi has been sensational coming from Peñarol. The expectations are just be a tough team to beat. And I know that seems like a cop-out. I'm not sitting here telling you, oh, they should win the cup. Oh, they should win the Open Cup. They should be getting into Champions League. Or, oh, they'd be lucky to make the playoffs. No, I don't have a, a, a perspective of how many wins and losses. I'm talking about just be tough to beat. Because in MLS, if you're tough to beat, you're going to get wins. And when you start racking up wins, and amazingly they've done it already, John, that adds up. And then you start thinking, well, all right, playoffs. Anything can happen if you get into the playoffs. You get hot at the right time. We know how this works in the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NFL as well. Get there. So now you start thinking, yeah, six points from six. Okay, that's not going to continue, obviously. Not that kind of pace, of course, but why not? Why not? If you look at this team and what Bob Bradley can do with this and his staff, and I was talking about it with uh, Travis earlier, with uh, Travis and Ben who were in here during the afternoon show. One of the things that impressed me, me and Mario took a trip over there. We like to go watch practice as often as we can. And it was intense. Think about that. They don't play till the 31st. They're coming off two big wins on the road. I'll be honest with you, I did I did think when I went to practice this week it would be a little more loose, a little more relaxed. They know they got things to work on. And not only Bob Bradley, but his coaching staff and the players know. They know they have things to work on. They were working hard this week. And admittedly, I've been around some teams covering all these leagues like I have and all these teams over the years going to practices where sometimes that doesn't happen when a team's red hot. 
especially this early, with a couple of weeks off. But they were still battling. And I'm getting the sense that some of these guys are starting to look at this team and go, you know what, i got to battle for my job. And that's a good thing. So those are the expectations. I was going nuts here. I'm going crazy here. we got to go to it. We're going to go to it anyway. Uh, speaking of practice, we're not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you this is live by any means. We talked to Stephen Betasher at practice yesterday. The LAFC, uh, the uh, right back who got two assists in the game against RSL and that bludgeoning, that 5-1 bludgeoning, it's always fun to talk to him. He's a good dude. I really had a good conversation with him. I started out by asking him, how exactly did they come about getting six points from six to begin this campaign? Uh, you know, I think it's just the mindset that Bob's kind of, uh, you know, enforced on us, just being professional from day one and doing the right things. Uh, so uh, a lot of little details that we worked on throughout preseason, and you can kind of see it, but it's still early. You know, I don't think anyone's getting ahead of themselves. It's uh, two good results, but we have to continue to improve. We've seen excellence on both sides of the football. Let's start with the defense. Certainly for a team that hasn't been together that long, that is a concern usually for a coaching staff to make sure you guys gel. Did you see this coming, that this team would be this rock-solid defensively? Yeah, you know, obviously Bob and John have done their research, and uh, you could tell by the players that they brought in that um, you know, without really playing a game, you knew that the defensive core was pretty good. So then you go into preseason you start working with each other and you start to kind of understand each other's habits and um, you know uh, you only improve from there so from day one in preseason we've been working on it and preseason games you know there was a lot of mistakes that we had to get through but that's why you watch game film that's why you play in these uh, scrimmages and you try to get at all the kinks and you know every week you need to be improving and even now you know regardless if we got a shutout or only gave up one goal so half a goal per game we're still trying to improve and you know we might give up multiple goals some games but uh, you just have to make sure that you're doing the correct thing every game and minimizing chances and so far we've done that well We've certainly seen you get into the attack along with uh, a lot of guys on this team that are playing well offensively. Let's look at that side. It, certainly it looks like the game plan is going well, obviously. Now, RSL was trying to pour forward and occasionally going to catch a team like that on the on the counter. You still have to take advantage of that. This team is really firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, you know, I think our, our front four especially are very dynamic, you know, on and off the ball. You know, they all have very good pace. They all like to have the ball at their feet. So, uh, you know, from a opposition standpoint, it's, it's very difficult to defend uh, because if you get too tight, they'll just run behind you. And if you give them too much space they might dribble you so um you know we're fortunate that they're on our side and not the opposition and um you know the the other thing is just being clinical and finishing your chances so against Salt Lake we really saw that with uh, you know Diego putting away his chances and and Carlos and Benny and you know and Latif so uh you know it's uh it's always nice when you work hard and you are rewarded for your hard work but in fairness beta you like getting up and down too let's uh, let's focus on you a little bit with that offensively obviously it's not your main responsibility at times but you do have to be a part of that too and it's so far so good yeah you know obviously you know being uh, a fullback and an attacking minded fullback I, I enjoy getting into the attack as much as possible so my buddy actually he sent me a nice little clip of my last two assists against Salt Lake and he goes hey why don't you get a couple more of these today and I was laughing with him like all right I'll get one for you and uh, afterwards he goes oh you didn't tell me two you said one <laughs> so it was, it was funny that he sent me that little video clip um and it just kind of reminded me of, you know, let's uh, let's have some fun today, and that's what that's what we did, and you know, 
a good finish by Latif. Maybe next time he'll try not to make it so close to being outsides. And, uh, you know, Benny, that's something that we've talked about numerous times during preseason that, uh, you know, if nothing's on behind the defense, just cut one back for him. So he was in a great spot. And, you know, it takes a lot of work for in his position, holding mid, to get up that for, that forward and, and finish like he did. So credit goes to them for that. Well, you mentioned fun. We're having fun here with Stephen Betashore on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Stephen, let me ask you, what's going on with Iran right now? Uh, as far as the national team? <laughs> yeah, so they just released their list. Unfortunately, I'm not on the list. Uh, but, you know, I've still kept in contact with them, so I'm, I'm hoping that I'm still in their minds. Uh, i got to continue to play well with, you know, my club team, and I think that's the most important thing. So uh, whether I got called in or not this uh, this time around, uh, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to take away my hope of getting called in for the World Cup. I know there's still um, a camp before the World Cup that, you know, I've got my fingers crossed, but uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have to continue to play well. And, um, you know, as long as our team is doing well and continues to win, I think it looks good for us. You know, I, I don't say this lightly. People around the world don't really get this sometimes. I think Iran has one of the most underrated teams going into this World Cup. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here. Can you give us a little scouting report? From what I've seen, they look very dangerous going potentially going into this World Cup. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things that Coach Karosh brought to the team is that defensive discipline, you know. Uh, Iranian team has always been very technical and very good offensively, but they they lack that discipline to defend as a unit and be organized. So I think once Coach Karosh has has come over and really uh, implemented that mindset, you really see what they've done. Uh, you know, I th- think we gave up zero goals in 12 games in qualifiers, something like that. It set a record. And the only goals we gave up were the two against Syria in the final game of qualifiers. So it's something that's impressive. It doesn't really get talked about. A lot of people still ask me, oh, did Iran, get, did Iran qualify for the World Cup? I was like, we were the second team behind Brazil to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, so, you know, it's something that people still don't um, understand or appreciate, but it's okay, you know. Uh, I think we like being underdogs. Uh, we don't want the, the target on our back, so uh, we'll just continue to surprise people and hopefully, uh, you know, surprise people in the first round. Well, we like to learn on this show. We like to teach some, you know, stuff about the rest of the world. Talk about a game in Iran. I mean, the, the fans are incredible. It's some of the bigger crowds in the history of football. Yeah, everyone in Iran loves their national team. It's it's their pride and joy. If you if you mention Team Ali, people just they go berserk for it. They love it, and uh, I love that passion. You know, the first time I actually went there for a national team call up, uh, I just saw the passion in you know everybody, kids to adults to you know even the elderly, like grandma or grandpa. They they have so much passion for it. So when you go there and uh, you kind of get that sense and that feeling, you you it's more of an honor than you can even imagine so um you know hopefully i'll have more call-ups in in azadi stadium and you know there's always thousands thousands if you go to like a paris police and as a club match you'll have a hundred thousand fans there it's amazing so um they definitely are passionate over there for for football absolutely now back here of course we've got a game that's in the distance but I'd be stupid not to ask you a little bit about it. Now that it's actually on the schedule next, it's the L.A. Galaxy. They've got to even think about a few things before your game with them. But what are you guys now starting to focus on when it comes to the Galaxy on the pitch? Yeah, you know, they are our next opponent. So we are starting to kind of switch gears and focus on them. And uh, it's going to be a tough matchup, you know. It's uh, it's going to be a rivalry game. We understand that. Two teams and well, one team in L.A., but the other one's close by. And it's going to be it's going to be a good match. Uh, you know, they, they're off to a good start we're off to a good start and um i think 
you know, being from San Jose, uh, you know, that uh, the, the Classico for us, you know, with, with Earthquakes and Galaxy, and now it's going to be probably more than, than that. And, you know, even when I was with Toronto, having that rivalry with Montreal, uh, I know what it means, not just to the players, but how much it means to the fans, because there's nothing more than a fan wants them to beat their biggest rival. So, um, you know, for, for our fans, we're going to have to go out there and put on a real good performance. Is it the same for the players? It feels weird. You mentioned Toronto, and I was watching the Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, which I love. As much as I hate these teams any other day, I'm rooting for MLS. Does that go, does that kind of translate over to players, too, or is it just kind of, oh, that's Toronto now, I'm not on that team, or that's, you know... Seattle, we hate them anyway. Do you actually start rooting for MLS to represent? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough in that sense, you know, to, to root for any past teams, whether it's the Earthquakes or Whitecaps or uh, TFC. But I, I think when it comes to Champions League, you really want to see the success of MLS, and that goes to any team that's, you know, playing in the tournament. So uh, right now we're rooting for the Red Bulls, for TFC, for Seattle, even though, the, you know, those are – three teams that you know i necessarily wouldn't want to win if they were playing in mls um but it's just it's good for the league and that's that's something that you really want to see uh, especially now with the quality that's on uh, these mls teams you want to see an mls team win Concacaf champions league for sure i won't say i was pleasantly surprised at practice here on this wednesday here of a week where you're still a couple weeks away realistically of getting back but i was it was good to see a lot of intensity still. How do you keep that up with these, you know, couple week break? Is it hard to kind of maintain that? Yeah, you know, actually, I was impressed with the intensity and, uh, you know, the, the energy that was out there on Wednesday where, you know, we have two bye weeks really coming up. So uh, I think it just goes to the mentality that, uh, you know, the players have. But it, it comes from Bob wanting to always improve and, uh, you know, just implement these game-like situations and intensity and obviously they're they're shortened they're not as long as a game but you know if we're out there for 5 10 20 30 minutes whatever it is make sure that you get the work in and i think guys have had a great attitude so far and uh, you know you got a day like today where you're like wow i was actually pretty impressed with the intensity beta good luck and uh, continued success awesome thank you i appreciate it Great conversation yesterday I had with Stephen Betashuro over at LAFC's practice on the UCLA campus. Good guy, a lot of good insight. Loved hearing about what's going on behind the scenes with LAFC and how they're building that after that great start and all the things going on there. We've got uh, some news out of the injury report you won't want to miss. That's coming up with the injury report brought to you by LA Care. Plus, of course, still to come in the second half, stoppage time, the best radio bit in all. Of radio. This is Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to 710 ESPN. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710, the home of world football here in Southern California. I am Dave Denholm, and you are lucky to be joining me. No, I'm lucky to be having you. I'm totally kidding. I always joke about being the most modest man in the history of radio. It's an absolute act. You know me. I love football, and I love soccer fans. And you are among the best in the world, truly. And I don't make no bones about that. And I'm humbled to be here with you each and every week. And I do appreciate what ESPN LA 710 is bringing to the table when it comes to the beautiful game. I like to talk a big game, but it really comes down to you and I just having a good time. And ESPN LA 710 allowing that to happen. This is season three of Soccer Weekly. Can you believe that? Truly appreciative I am of what they've done here at this station. Of course, we're the home of LAFC on the radio as well. ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. 
I am blessed to be calling those games, which have been unbelievable. More on that still. But we do have the injury report. This health uh, report is Soccer Weekly. is sponsored by L.A. Care. as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. L.A. Care is elevating health care in the City of Angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A. LACare.org. Injuries to LAFC include Walker Zimmerman, who missed out on his second straight game. He looks to be coming along all right, though. He's starting to get back into training a little bit. This layoff will certainly help in that sense. Omar Gaber, who was actually on the 18 in the first game, he was listed. He's still coming back from an injury he suffered in, in preseason, and he's getting more and more excited. You see him walking around in practice. He is a really good dude, just always with a smile on his face, even struggling through this injury and knowing, you know, I'm signed for a new team. You know he wants to make an impression, of course. He's in Los Angeles, and yet he's been kind of saddled with this nagging injury that happened early in preseason, and he hasn't yet been able to get to the pitch. So he's just got to be more than ready. He's going to be a really welcome addition once he gets back to full health. And also on the uh, L.A. Galaxy side, Giovanni Dos Santos with that hamstring Going to be out a minimum of one week, about one to three weeks they're expecting. So that's a blow, certainly for LAFC. Now, a lot of fans are getting on Gio, but I really don't think he's played that badly. He needs some help around him, no doubt about it, but I don't think he's played that badly. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And that's going to be a blow for the next few weeks. And that, of course, will keep Gio from being called up to the Mexican national team for their friendlies against Iceland and Croatia. Who was called up? Carlos Vela. Jonathan Dos Santos, they're going to play for Mexico. Also for LAFC, you've got Mark Anthony Kay and Dejan Yakovic being called up by Canada for some friendlies. And for Costa Rica, Marco Arena. So LAFC well represented amongst the guys who are going off to, to play for their country here in this international window. Some good stuff there. That is the health report on Soccer Weekly, sponsored by LA Care. It is time now for our Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Right now. The LAFC Black and Gold Breakdown here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. And I have to break down what has happened offensively for LAFC to do what they've done. Yes, partially a lot of it in terms of the second match was Real Salt Lake. And i got to give some credit here to Mike Petke, the manager of RSL. He's not afraid to go for it when his team is trailing. So when you're losing in a, in a soccer match, right, what's the difference if you lose 2-1 or 4-1? It's a loss. Yeah, you'd love to be able to position to maybe tie the game late. I get it. You don't want to get your doors blown off. But Mike Petke doesn't mind going for it when his team falls behind. He's not playing conservatively, even at home. So when they fell down 2-1 at the half, okay. But that Benny Fail-Hopper goal really changed everything in Week 2. That goal in the 47th minute from Fail-Hopper absolutely changed everything. And it was our good friend Steve Betashore, Beta, who just who set him up with the assist. Brilliant passing by LAFC to, to absolutely catch RSL on their back foot that early in the second half. That was a big mistake by RSL, but that was good offense. And the runs that LAFC are making off the ball have been dynamic. And I've been preaching this for years. It's something that I've been watching for LAFC from day one that's so amazing. What Bob Bradley's having this team do with Diego Rossi coming in from the wing and Latif Blessing. And then Vela can make the runs up up, up the middle with help from Marco Arrhenia coming back for the football and then springing Vela. Or Mark Anthony Kay with one of his passes cutting through. Or Benny Failhaber, who ends up oftentimes 
supplying the football, but instead he makes the late run that Betashur is able to, you know, hit him with on the cross. Totally confusing RSL. Benny was wide open on that play. And these are things that I've been preaching about in MLS. If you can make runs off the ball that are legit, I'm not talking about, oh, kind of reacting late and faking a run when the defense already knows it's coming, essentially. We see that time and time again throughout the history of MLS. Guys don't even know how to play off the football. And that has not been an issue for LAFC, which is a very pleasant surprise. Not because I didn't think they could do it and they weren't capable of it, but you don't know what a team knows that soon. And exactly, this is what happens when you come out of a locker room and you're ready to go from the opening whistle of a second half, and Bob Bradley has this team ready to capitalize on mistakes that RSL made. Near side again to Betasher, who stays up, using Rossi just on the corner of the box there. Betasher trying to sneak through. Rossi will flip it to him. Betasher cuts it across. Betasher in the area. Goal! LAFC does it again! It's Benny Failhaber, and it's 3-1! That was the game right there, no doubt. RSL was not afraid to continue to pour forward, though, and it left them wide open. Rossi got his second of the match. That made it four. It was over by then, but that didn't stop LAFC from getting the final one either. Rossi quickly with his head up. A streaking Vela. Center to the park. Vela, 1v1. The shot. Goal! Carlos Vela has made it five! Madness here at Rio Tinto! Vela streaking through the middle. Rossi this time plays supplier. And Vela makes no mistake, beating Nick Ramondo. What a day for LAFC. It's 5-1. Just shocking, no doubt about it. You could hear it in my creaking voice there by the time that game was over with all the goals I had to call. And uh, also that sound courtesy of MLS as well as ESPN LA 710. As, uh, we appreciate all that. I got to tell you. Just to see them break down teams with these runs. Now, they didn't do a lot of it in the second half against Seattle. Remember, they were on their back foot, in fairness, trying to hold on to that lead. Just trying to get that first win. But, boy, when they smelled blood in the water at Rio Tinto, Bob Bradley had that team ready to run. And I've actually been very pleasantly surprised at the speed on this team. I knew they were building towards that. But, you know, you're watching Preci. You know Latif Blessing can run. He's very quick. And you know Vela has it in him, kind of, but that's not really his game. We were surprised at how quick and how fast Carlos Vela really is. He was blowing by the RSL defense. Betashore, even at his, well, I mean, I love Steven, but more advanced age, let's say. He's in his early 30s, right? You know, Kind of getting up there for a soccer player. He can run. Rossi, of course, kid just turned 20. He's got wheels. But And even Marco Arrhenia, a lot quicker than you would think, especially in short and tight spaces. And boy, he had a very good game. It has been really impressive. That is the black and gold breakdown, and they deserve the praise they're getting right now. No question about it. Now, it's a long way to go. We all know that's a 34-game season, not a two-game season. But man, they deserve the praise, especially for what they've done offensively. You always hope... A Bob Bradley-led team is going to come out and really play tight defense and just hope to keep you in it as an expansion side. You're hoping to nick some points, maybe a goal or two, just to kind of grab a point. If you can get a win on the road, that's just absolutely phenomenal. They're flying. They're absolutely fr- flying. So that's just great start and good stuff all the way around for LAFC. No doubt about that. Speaking of those call-ups, we mentioned Vela 
He'll be going to play Iceland and Croatia. We mentioned Marco Arena and uh, Jonathan Dos Santos for LA Galaxy getting called up for Mexico. These are going to be interesting times here coming up with the World Cup as well. We've got to talk about the UEFA Champions League Final Eight. I've got my dream draw. Tomorrow, the Champions League picks out their Final Eight. Who's going to play against whom in the final four matchups for the Final Eight here? Eight teams survived. I've got my dream draw. We'll explain that to you, plus stoppage time coming up. It's Soccer Weekly. Dave Dunham rolling on here on ESPN LA 710. UEFA Champions League Final Eight are set after Tuesday's and Wednesday's second leg of the round of 16. I missed out on my Shakhtar Donetsk beating Roma. What a what a couple of legs they had battling back and forth. Roma wins on the away goal rule, so Shakhtar really gave it a ride. Good for them. But Roma is in the final eight, along with Barcelona, Bayern, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City, Sevilla, and Juventus. Sevilla getting by Manchester United. I, I, I wondered why everyone was so upset about that. Sevilla was the better team. Man United did not play well. People are going to be upset with Jose Mourinho, of course. Rightfully so. He deserves criticism. Sevilla was better. And it just goes to show how really lacking the top of the premiership really is. Now, that's not to say Man City couldn't win at all. Maybe Man City is the best team. But everybody for so long has been like, well, the top six of the premiership, they're all so good. And so Tottenham got dumped. Manchester United got dumped, and they didn't deserve to win. City and Liverpool are through, playing some good football, no doubt. So they're still representing, and I believe Man City has a shot. Here's my dream draw coming up. This is my absolute dream draw for the final eight. The first is Roma and Sevilla. Good, solid, evenly matched football here, and I want to see one of these teams in the final four because I think... That would be a fun story, frankly. I know a lot of people don't see it that way. I want one of these teams in the Final Four, so I want them drawn together. Roma versus Sevilla. Juventus and Real Madrid. Juventus is unbeaten in 21, I think it is. 19 wins, 2 draws. They could trip up Real Madrid. I want Real Madrid to get tested in this round. Not that PSG wasn't a test, but if Real Madrid's going to win another one, I want them to continue to be tested Juventus is the type of team that will punch Real Madrid in the nose. And if anybody can beat them right now in this competition, yeah, of course, other teams could. I think Juventus is a nice, weird matchup against Real Madrid, especially going against that Real Madrid defense. I want Bayern to play Liverpool because I'm pretty sure I've never seen a 15-14 to soccer match before at that level, but I'm pretty sure we could see it. Bayern against Liverpool, you could see two five to four games. I want that matchup. Neither team going to be afraid. And of course, you got the Jurgen Klopp story versus Bayern. That would be some fun drama. I'm talking about on and off the pitch with these matchups. I want Bayern Liverpool. And I want Man City and Barcelona. Because I really believe, as crazy as it sounds to say now, I think those two teams can win it. I want to see it now. If you're going to win the Champions League, you got to beat teams anyway. It doesn't matter when you play them. you got to beat great teams along the way. Play them now. I want to see it. Because I'm really starting to think Man City is doing something special this season. Now, of course, we know they are in the Premiership. That's an easy one. They're way head and shoulders above anybody else in the Prem. I picked them to win this year. Of course, I picked them to win last year. I was a year early. They didn't do it last season. 
Shame on me. But this season, it was a lock, and it has been. I want to see him go up against Barcelona. That's my dream draw. Roma Sevilla, Juventus Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Liverpool. That will be awesome. And Man City Barcelona. That's like that marquee draw. Give me yours on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. What is your dream draw for this final eight? We'll see what happens tomorrow as the UEFA Champions League makes their draw for that quarterfinal. Good stuff all the way around. Speaking of good stuff, as always, what time is it? It is stoppage time. Stoppage time is brought to you by Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry. The San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Say habla espanol. Stoppage Time's host is the great producer of this show, Mario Reyes. Mario? What's happening, Dave? How's it going? How are you, buddy? All right, so MLS and Liga MX have reached a special agreement with this new Campeones Cup, which is going to start this fall. MLS and uh, Liga MX have been competing against each other in, of course, the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, the U.S. Men's National Team and, uh, and L3 have been uh, rivals for a long time, but now we have the Campeones Cup. MLS champion against Liga MX champion. What do you think, Dave? Well, we used to have the Super Liga, if you remember that, where a few teams from each, like four teams, I think, from each would battle against each other. This Campeones Cup, I'm torn, Mario. You know I love football, right? We all love the beautiful game here. I'm torn, too, by the way. I'm torn by yeah. it because we have CONCACAF Champions League. Right. Champions Isn't it the same thing, kind of? Yeah, I mean, right? Campeones Cup. Okay, if they take it seriously, of course I'll watch. I'm not going to lie to you, and I want to see it, and I will root for the MLS side. I make no bones about that unless it's uh, Toluca. But, you know, Uh I want to see that. I I do want to see it. And yet, is it going to take away from CONCACAF Champions League? Because if anything takes away from that, I don't want it. Yeah. So the inaugural edition will be played on September 19th this year in Toronto. Okay, it's not going to get in the way of anything then. That's fine. I think what they're going to take away the next uh, tournament winner for uh, Liga Mekis. I know it's going to be Toronto, obviously. Yeah, it's Toronto, yep. So then it's going to get against the Liga Mekis upcoming champion. Yeah, I mean, I'm guess I'm not like fascinated by it, but I don't hate it. Anything that kind of promotes the two leagues together and they're not ripping on each other like, in the media or everything. That's a good thing, I guess, yeah. MLS and Liga MX have also committed to an all-star game in the near future. Yeah, I don't like that either, I'll be honest. But I'll say this. Here's why. You're going to think I'm Debbie Downer here. I don't like all-star games in any league anymore. I really don't. I think they're passe. Huh. I think it, they're also desperate to try new stuff to try to keep reinventing it, you know, like the NBA did this all. You know, yeah. It was fine. It actually turned out pretty well the first time. I'm not sitting here telling you don't have them because who am I to say that? I just don't particularly like them. I don't really want to see a bunch of guys who don't play together that often get together and try to beat each other between Liga MX. It's okay. I got no problem with it. I'd rather actually just play a European team that actually plays together and really give a challenge, but... I guess it's all right. I mean, and Liga Mekis—they never have an All-Star game, so this is going to be their first yeah. time actually putting together an All-Star. What are they team. doing with this, really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, at least MLS has done it every year because yeah. it's such an American thing, if you will. I don't love it. I'll be honest with you. Boy, this is a bit of a dour and a down stoppage time here. We're going to end on a high note. Stoppage time. The Campeones Cup again. Hit me up on Twitter. Your thoughts on the Campeones Cup? 
at Talk Soccer. Don't forget the podcast. We Not only do we usually podcast interviews we do, but we also podcast the entire show, Soccer Weekly. You can go Google Soccer Weekly or find it on your podcatcher by searching Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Appreciate that. I'm Dave Denholm. He's Mario Rees. Thanks, Michael Funches. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710.